And, and so I think just connecting to my own, um, being in silence and meditation really started to open up the reality that there's a lot more than what meets the eye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and I'm so grateful that you're here with me this morning or whatever time it is that you are listening to this episode. How are you guys? My hope is that whether you're feeling steady and grounded or maybe a bit monkey-brained and loose-ended, that when you turn on this podcast, you feel held in some capacity because in the simplest of terms, essentially I am you and you are me. I too feel steady and grounded on some days just as I feel monkey brained and loose ended on others, the yin and yang of life, right? Um, And to be able to have a place to go and not feel preached to or that you should have it all together or that your life should look a certain way and maybe Maybe then you'll feel complete, you'll feel happy. That's where real self-awareness and self-acceptance can begin to creep in. So I'm here to hold space for each and every one of you to share my own personal experiences of how I'm evolving and challenging my subconscious and inner mind workings each and every day to bring on guests who are doing the same, all with the hope that It gives you the courage and the light bulb moment to do the same for yourself. We're here to expand and to grow and to do it collectively, right? We're not, we're not an island and we are, we are meant to be in all of this together and we are in all of this together. I really truly believe that. And so with all that being said, do I have a gift for you guys today Energy and Reiki healer Cassandra Vogley is on the podcast and we talk all about Reiki. She explains it in its most basic form for those of you who are unfamiliar. But this episode is so much more than that. We talk about connecting and coming back home to our truest selves, living a sober, curious life and what that means, understanding our triggers, the healing effects of EMDR, relationships in our lives and what they're here to teach us about ourselves, her beautiful and expansive relationship with her husband and how they've evolved side by side by purely leading through example and so, so much more. She is such a gift, you guys, and what she's willing to share with us today is nothing short of life lessons that, if you're open, can truly expand your mind and your heart to look at life as a whole in just this loving, expansive way. Now, for those of you who already have the thought in your mind that this feels too woo for you, I actually encourage you to listen because that usually means that there's something in this for you to learn. What I'm gathering through all of the deep work that I'm doing is that when something makes me uncomfortable or I shut something off or I shut something down, that's generally where I need to grow and expand my own mind. I have another episode that we'll be releasing soon where I talk all about bursting out of my comfort zones to break down fearful barriers, so stay tuned for that. But lastly, I just want to say it's important to understand um, that energy is 
energy. It's not magic. It's not witchcraft. It's simply 99.9% of what we as humans are made up of. There's nothing woo about energy. It just is. So if you're ready to expand, let's get to today's episode with energy and Reiki healer Cassandra Vogley. Cassandra, welcome to the show. I'm so grateful that you've made the time to be here. You are such a light worker. As I was telling you before we started recording, I just, I cannot wait for everyone to hear from you. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Good. Okay. So I always ask my guests to paint a picture for those who are listening. So can you tell us a little bit about your current surroundings and what life is looking like for you right now in the present moment? Maybe like a glimpse into a day in the life, if you will. Sure. So um, I'm currently living in Sacramento, California, and I am kind of living that entrepreneur life where I let go of my career as a marriage and family therapist and started to dive more into holistic health and holistic healing. And so what I've been really doing in day-to-day life kind of looks like building these different spaces for men and women alike to come together to connect to their intuition and themselves and what their true path is because I think that you know we are our own best healer Mm -hmm. and so a lot of what my work looks like in a day-to-day is just like creating those spaces creating programs doing the work myself Um, I do a lot of kundalini yoga and uh, Reiki. So that's a lot of what takes up my time is just creating those things for people to be able to come and do that work that I think is really important. And I think that um, as I've done the work myself and as I've gone through these different paths and like tried to think about what leads to healing, it's truly about just doing that work, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm actually, I have my first Kundalini yoga class tonight. I'm so excited. I've never done it. I know. So I've had a few friends. So I'm like very intuition based. And I had a couple friends be like, have you tried this? Like you should totally try this. But it's just not an avenue that I've ever explored. So I'm really, really, really excited. And actually the Kundalini yoga class is paired with some Reiki energy healing. So should be pretty interesting. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'll have to let you know how it goes. I'm really excited. Be prepared to get weird. Okay, so that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Okay, wait, what do you mean? So for anyone else who might be, like, intrigued by kundalini yoga, so what do you mean when you say be prepared to get weird? It's very um, humbling in the sense that you're you're doing a lot of interesting chants and um, just, mm. just the way it's a lot of different, like, interesting chants and movements. There's okay. a lot of really weird things that you can do in the different kriyas yeah like it's so hard to probably just explain this uh without you seeing a visual of me but um like for instance like one of the kriyas where you like have your jupiter finger which is your pointer finger out and you're just kind of like throwing both of your fingers forward and making weird faces to get the crazy out like that's literally one of uh, the kriyas that I was practicing with um, on Rama TV with someone named Teague and it was just really funny because some of the things that you're doing in there are very like I hope no one sees me doing this or and or uh, build your ability to just like 
get weird and experiment with the energy that lives inside of you Mm. without really being constrained in our societal norms of like, oh, that's weird. Don't do that. But it kind of like stretches you Mm -hmm. in that way. But just just there's different chants and and mantras and mudras and things that you do repetitively that also kind of they feel funky after a while. And oh, I can't there's wait. Different things that you have to kind of shout sometimes. <laughs> you just, oh, I'm so excited. Funky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. And the irony of like, I you hope can, no one can see me doing this yet. The whole room is doing it with you. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also, I think there's like a bonding in that. Cause you're all in that yeah. um, weird space together and you're just like, all right, we're doing it. You know, like we're committed. We're getting weird. Um, yeah. We're getting weird. And I think it's, it just kind of shakes you out of that like human, like, oh, here's my mask and I'm mm-hmm. normal. And, you know, it just kind of bends that a little bit and allows you to kind of expand. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. And like, I've been trying to practice. I mean, my main goal here within this journey of mine has been self-awareness. Um, and I've heard it's a really beautiful practice for that as well. Like it really brings you back to center and um, yeah. aligns you with your true self, which we can all use some of that. Yeah, it's a phenomenal practice. It's really beautiful for clearing out like our subconscious mind and breaking really old like patterns and and, yeah, reconnecting to our deepest self. It's crazy the layers that you can go through. So it's a really cool modality. You might go in there and it might be totally normal, like depends on the Kriyas that are being practiced. But but, you know, it'll be fun. So well, now I'm prepared. I feel a little bit more prepared than I was 30 seconds ago. So thank you. Yeah, let me know how it goes. I, I will. I will. So you live in Sacramento, so, but where are you originally from? Like, can you paint um, a picture of what your childhood was like? Yeah, so I'm originally from the Midwest. I grew up in oh. a small town in Michigan. Okay. Um, Adrian, Michigan. And I grew up with kind of like all of my family around me, my aunts and uncles. My mom comes from seven kids and my dad from six. So there's a lot of mm. family. And, um, I was always just like a very observant child, uh, and having that many dynamics around with family, it was like, you could see how clearly like, oh, that gets how that got passed down the line and like how these different things kind of relive in different generations Mm -hmm. and different Mm -hmm. ways. And, um, there was a lot of family dysfunction, like in a lot of big families. And Mm -hmm. so I was also just very curious, like, how do you make this work in a more functional way? Like, how do you live a happy life? How do you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that that really, just like my experience growing up really gave me like, uh, a lot of curiosity to like, how do you live a healthy life? And how do you have functional relationships and how do you not pass these things down to, how do I not pass them down to my kids, which kind of, I think set me on the track. I did my undergrad in psychology at uh, the university or at Michigan state university. They have a cool psych program. And then after that was over, it was like, well, what do I, what do I do with this mm-hmm. degree? You know, um, I have to go on and get a higher degree. So I went into I applied to get my master's in California because I had never been out here, but I all like all my life, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just felt drawn out West and mm-hmm. especially to California. And it was like, well, here's two years of my life of a degree that, um, I've never left Michigan. I've never lived outside of Michigan. So I'm going to go on an adventure. And I, it was kind of, you know, an excuse to come out West 
and get to live in a different place and mm-hmm. kind of experience what that was like. And, uh, I loved that degree. It was so much fun. It was amazing. And it came at the perfect time, um, for what I was going through, like mm-hmm. personally with my, my relationship actually with my husband who was my boyfriend at the time. And, um, that program, I would say saved our relationship for sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Because I was learning kind of as I was, as I was existing in the dysfunction, I was learning about it, you know? So it was like being mirrored to me, all of the things like I was like gaslighting him and I had like Mm. split off the part of myself that, um, I did like anger was a bad thing growing up. So it was like, Oh, I can't be angry. So like, I would, I didn't know what I was doing, but I would like operate and let him hold the anger so that I could be the not angry one. Mm -hmm. And then that became a focus of the relationship was like, Oh, his anger, he has to fix that or whatever, Mm -hmm. which was interesting because I didn't understand splitting. And there's this concept that sometimes we get together with the person who holds whatever we've kind of cast off into the shadow. Oh, so true. So true. Yeah. So like if you're, if you're the one who like, um, you're super uber responsible. Like sometimes you'll get together with the person who's really irresponsible or, mm-hmm. um, you'll, you know, if you're the caretaker, you'll find the one who needs to be taken care of, or it's really interesting. And so, um, I remember learning about that and having that kind of reflected back. And I was like, Oh, so I like, I have to own my anger, you know, like I have mm-hmm. to integrate that part of myself and I have to learn how to deal with that constructively rather than casting it off, you know, and projecting it. And cause it was outside of you, you have no control over it. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you can integrate those pieces, um, it's crazy how much your partner shows up differently just by owning what you've split off. Oh, wild. absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful that here you are, you know, in your master's program, you know, learning what you want to teach others and in the same, in the same at the same time, you're healing yourself, which I feel like we end up teaching others what we want to heal as well. I know at least I can say that for myself, you know, yeah, (laughs) with mindfulness, it's like, I'm doing this alongside all of you. You know, I am not preaching because I am also learning and teaching myself these practices. Yeah. That's really cool. Was there, would you say that there was, oh, go ahead. I was, I was just going to kind of comment on that. So you can go ahead and ask your next question. Well, I was going to ask if there was a specific moment that you can recall or maybe put your finger on that started to pique your curiosity when it comes to spirituality. A specific moment. That's such a good question. There are so many of them, mm-hmm. you know, because I, how I feel, it was kind of like, um, I was getting these little taps all over everywhere, you know, is mm-hmm. I, I look at it almost like this, like silent unfolding. Mm-hmm that by the time that it had completely, by the time my conscious mind had like grasped what was happening, it had already been unfolding in my life for years. Yeah. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up, um, Christian and, uh, kind of, it was, it was like a, the paradigm where it's like, you know, God was like a fact and you, it was a beautiful thing, honestly, for me as a child, like it was just kind of like, I would talk to God, like it was my friend and, or like he was my friend and it was, it was a good thing growing up. But then I kind of 
left that for a while at high school, college. I kind of went more agnostic and was like, what is all this? I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was in the school world for a long time and that was kind of absent there. So I would say around the time that I started to come back into it was when I was really pursuing more of like that holistic healing. So um, I had worked with like the recently homeless population and just like these populations who had a ton of trauma and were on a lot of medications. And I saw how important gut health was for just, you know, being able to deal with stress and everyday things. So I started to go more a holistic route, which brought me to yoga. And in 2015, I did my first Kundalini sadhana. And that's like a 40 day uh, practice where you wake up every day before the sun at around like four thirty, mm. and you practice yoga wow. for an hour and a half. And that kind of, that rocked my world in many, many ways. <laughs> and I would say definitely started to open up more of me being able to listen to my body and to my intuition and to something that was deeper, right? Something mm-hmm. that was not the mind. And up until that point, so much of my life had been run by my mind, right? Like making Mm. decisions from the mind. There was always intuition there, but it was like kind of, it was pushed into the shadow, right? So it had to like operate unconsciously. Mm -hmm. It couldn't consciously make the choice. Um, You know, like I feel that me coming out West was intuitive, but it was, it had to be like justified through the mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and so I think just connecting to my own um, being in silence and meditation really started to open up the reality that there's a lot more than what meets the eye to mm. this world, to our, to our healing, to, and, you know, and to me, I was like, we have to kind of have that in the equation because there's so much power in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we leave it out of the equation, we kind of, we miss so much when it comes to healing. And I think that's why we have so much uh, medication use in, in the field um, with psychotropic drugs, because I think we're missing this whole other element um, that if we had access to it, you know, we might be able to utilize that intuitive healing and get people reconnected to themselves Mm -hmm. rather than kind of putting another bandaid on top, which could, could serve to further disconnect someone, but it could, I mean, every case is different and, um, everyone needs to make that decision, you know, themselves. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I really truly think that if the field of, you know, mental health could open up more and more to this intuitive piece, that healing would be much more effective and rapid Mm -hmm. and, you know, it wouldn't be as codependent and we kind of, we yes. wouldn't, it wouldn't be as enabling and keeping people stuck. It would, it would help people to become, um, sovereign Absolutely. in their own healing. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, how everyone is capable of being their own healer first and foremost. Yeah. And that's such a new concept, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think we lose people when we say that because there are people who are like, no, I need like real trained help. And yes, that might be true, but you are a huge part of that equation, how you show up for yourself. And it's a partnership. I think it can be a beautiful dance between someone who is trained and just you as the living, breathing vessel, you know, you know yourself more than anyone else. So totally. And I think, I think what um, others can offer for individuals who are kind of 
stuck or lost on that path to coming home to themselves is, is that light back to themselves, but it's not, um, that whole expert. Mm. Um, I know better than you. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing that you need to do. Um, you're sick. You have this biology that says that you have this disorder and you'll have to take this medication for the rest of your life. I think we're leaving that model Mm -hmm. because it's not working and it's kind of creating more problems down the line. And, And we're stepping more into this, like, how can we help people get them connected back to themselves and, and they may need help in terms of how to do that resourcing and, and whatever else. But yeah, like the ultimate goal in that is to be connected to yourself for sure. Absolutely. We, so you mentioned, um, drugs and medication just a minute ago, and I'm curious just to get your thoughts on, so how do you feel about plant medicines like ayahuasca and mushrooms? Like where does your, where do you fall in that line? I, I'm definitely open to those. And I also believe that I, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's definitely like you have to listen to your intuition, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, and I think for me, I've, I've, I've engaged in plant medicine and I actually went to Peru when I left my career field mm-hmm. and, um, experienced ayahuasca, but I didn't, I never sought those things out. They mm-hmm. found me. Um, which is what everyone very... says, which I think is so beautiful. Everyone I've talked to who's done it is like, it found me. It just fell into my lap and the opportunity came to me. I didn't seek it. Yeah. I think if it's, I think that if it's right, it will find you. So yeah, totally. I like, um, it's wild how that happens and it will just naturally happen if, if it's kind of meant to, I don't necessarily think they're for everyone, mm-hmm. but you know, there's exceptions to every rule, but I, I do think that, um, if you're feeling called to it and it finds you and it flows and you find yourself there and your intuition is on board, like it can be a very beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and for sure, especially when we're talking about ayahuasca, one of the most important things is making sure that you have a, um, a good shaman, someone who's trustworthy, somebody who can hold the space and, um, keep it safe. Mm -hmm. That's a really important piece just because you are open and to, to so many things you need someone that is trustworthy. So, um, I noticed there's just like with the opening of that and it kind of becoming almost trendy, right? Yes. Like, um, just being aware of that and being cautious because there are some individuals, you know, who maybe don't have the best of intentions or just maybe don't know how, how to hold that sacred space. Um, because that's just a really like important piece to that being a healing experience and for Mm -hmm. you to be able to take what you got and to integrate that in a way that's actually effective, you know, or like Mm -hmm. helpful in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm definitely still integrating those experiences, but, um, I would say the, the, it just, it just, for me, it expanded me into, I don't know, it kind of allows you to peel back the veil and to like, you know, to see that there's more beyond this mm-hmm. and um, also to see like kind of the root core for me, like what I found were my soul's core values were love and freedom through that. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of like, for me, that's a big director in terms of how I engage my life and what I'm building from this space ground up is like, is it really valuing those? Is it, is it holding those two values of love and freedom at the forefront kind of in anything that I do and anything that I build? Yes. Did it teach you or were you pretty self-aware of any triggers that you have in your life? Do you have any like main triggers that you're still healing from and working through? 
Um, I, I would definitely say I'm still shifting blocks. Mm-hmm. A lot of my like really big triggers, I shifted actually through EMDR. Mm. Um, when I was practicing as a therapist, I was trained in EMDR, which is an incredible modality. Mm-hmm. It stands for eye movement, uh, desensitization and reprocessing. And mm-hmm. so are you familiar with that at yes, all? Yes. My late grandfather who just passed away, he actually was, um, a therapist as well. And he practiced EMDR like way back in the day. People thought he was so cool. woo. Yeah. They were like, you're so woo. He's like, no, this is like a huge part of the healing process and just watch, just watch. It's going to blow up. And it did. Yeah. It's wild how effective and rapid that is. So if I Mm -hmm. ever do have a big trigger come up, I always go back to, um, kind of the foundation of that. I don't practice EMDR currently because I'm not practicing as a therapist, Mm -hmm. but I do like use it and I, it, it underlies everything that I do, just the structure of knowing about that change. And actually, as I've gotten as I practiced um, Kundalini, there's so many things that mirror exactly what we're doing with EMDR within mm. that, just from like the bilateral movements and the repetitive motions and the way you, like just different Kriyas address kind of similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about the way that we move across the, the like, the, the way that we move back and forth, like across our body, the way that we process mm-hmm. and connecting both hemispheres of our brain. There's something that's so powerful within that when it comes to healing mm-hmm. and tapping EFT kind of uses similar RTT therapy uses somewhat similar, like underpinnings. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it just speaks to our power and what's available to us. It's kind of like, it gives you the keys to unlock the things that we think are so hard to change. It's like, Oh, here, you just little, here's a little thing here, 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 here. Mm -hmm. And you just adjust this, you go into this with a calm state of mind and you reprogram that. And now the trigger no longer has the weight. Like Mm -hmm. it's still there, yeah, but it's not activated. I remember I have this vivid memory of sitting in my parents, like formal dining room. I was in high school and I was bullied pretty bad in high school. And, um, my grandpa, I had such bad anxiety and my parents just like, were so loving and caring, obviously, but they just didn't know what to do. They're like, we've exhausted all these options. I was seeing a therapist and whatever. And my grandfather just sat me down and I remember him just tapping on certain parts of my wrist and like on my neck and on my head. And just like, it was the strangest sensation that came over me where it felt like I was quite literally melting over time. Like I was just like sinking into this, like, wow, I can breathe, you know, like my reality is still my reality. Yeah. But like this anxiety is not owning me. So I'm so glad that you brought that up for anyone who might be unfamiliar. It really is such a beautiful practice that I haven't touched since then, to be honest. So I might have to get back into that. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. And it's like, wild how transformative it is when I was practicing that as a therapist like things that before I had learned that you know things that I was working with with clients Mm -hmm. shifted within like a matter of weeks that we had been working on for a really really long time Mm -hmm. um and so for people to get that kind of uh progress and relief from what they're struggling with was just so cool to watch and it's so empowering um because you know, the conventional thinking was like, oh, we just have to learn how to override these triggers. That's a lot of like behavioral therapy. It's like you get better at just shutting that trigger down and calming yeah. the system down. But that's yeah. a lot of work still, right? Because yeah. the trigger spikes 
and then you have to calm the system down and override it with your thoughts. And it's just a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And so the way that EMDR works is it kind of goes in there and it demagnetizes that trigger. It, it allows it to be kind of light and not, not really that intense anymore. And then it get, then you go away kind of with an empowered, uh, a new empowered story about yourself. And I actually, yeah, recently I had done, I did some EMDR with my sister, like we were just playing around and it brought me back to probably one of the oldest triggers I've ever worked with. Um, I don't know how old I was. I was like two or three, but I just remembered like looking at this rug and uh, my parents were fighting and I had this like feeling, it was like intense and I didn't know what to do. And I felt like a ton of fear and I didn't understand what was going on because I was just too young to really understand like, oh, mom and dad are having a fight. They don't know how to work it out. They don't have the skills. Like, it's okay. You're mm-hmm. going to be okay. Um, and so I stored as a touchstone, you know, I don't feel safe and I need to understand to feel safe, which kind of like mm. is so funny to me now because cue me trying to go get a doctorate so that I could understand human relationships yeah. so that I could right. feel safe. Um, and always kind of trying to figure it out with my mind. And uh, that kind of, I would say, leads me, lead, led me into more of the body stuff with uh, both Kundalini Yoga and eventually Reiki, where it was like, the mind doesn't really, the mind can be helpful in terms of like, like, you know, it's helpful to understand things or discuss them or whatever, but it doesn't really help us when it comes to that deeper layer of healing and that deeper layer of shifting, you know, these subconscious beliefs and these subconscious wounds and, and what's held in our body. And so that's what kind of led me away from the path that was talk therapy into more, you know, energetic work, because there's so much that lies beneath the surface Mm -hmm. and the mind kind of keeps, can keep us stuck sometimes, honestly, just kind of replaying the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yep. Um, so I want to move into your relationship with your husband. So I, I feel like you and your husband are such a beautiful example of a partnership from what I can take in on Instagram, obviously. Um, it just really feels like there's so much like authentic love and respect there. How did you two meet? We met um, in undergrad okay. at Michigan State, and we were actually neighbors. Oh. So he came with you to California for your master's? Or did you do yeah, long distance? So- okay. He came out here. So we've been together since I was 19, which is wild Uh, because you go through so much growth and transition. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm 29 right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And speaking of which, so I I love witnessing how you're both healing through energy work together. So how have you flowed through this powerful shift together? Because that's not always easy. You know, oftentimes it can be that like you're going through this change and the other person's like, where are you going? What's happening? Right. And there can be this, like this block and this like separation. So was it just like a mutual interest that you both shared or how did, how did you guys go through this and in, in sync the way that you are? I don't know if, does that make sense? The way I'm asking that? Total, to- okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. And, um, a lot of hard work, Okay. <laughs> a lot of facing, um, a lot of facing shadows and, and, and for like, when we, when I was going through my uh, master's program, we, when we, we were like struggling at the time. So as we were healing that, and as 
I started, I started to shift some really big ways that I showed up just through learning about how to show up and be accountable and use, you know, I language where I'm responsible for my emotions and I'm, and I'm owning what's mine without saying, this is what you did, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm just saying like, this is where I could have done this better. When I started to own and show up in a different way, I think for him, he just like, that was inspiring. Right. And it was like, it, for him, he, before that point, he had said that like, he didn't really think that people could change or that change was possible. Mm -hmm. and, um, or that he could change. Right. And he started to experience change within himself through, um, our growth and working hard together. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that just kept expanding as we both did like that belief and change and possible. And, but it really like, as I was trying to change him through myself, like at early on, I was like trying to change him and like, that was like, so there was just so that was not working. It doesn't oh, work. Resistance. Um, yeah. So much resistance and so much just like, you know, frustration between both of us. Cause nobody wants that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was very difficult for me in the beginning, but when I was able to just simply stand in my own and love and meet my own needs when, you know, he wasn't available to meet them and to show up for myself mm-hmm. and, to, you know, give that love to myself because I, I don't know, I guess at some point I was aware, I was like, this work is mine Mm -hmm. with or without him. Yeah. You can free him Um, of the responsibility to have to. Yeah. And I think, yeah. So I think like when that was unfolding between us, it just, Mm. he, I remember, I remember actually like the, the day I was like in my apartment, he went to work and I, at that time I had, um, I'd been buying books on Audible. That was like early in my um, master's in like 2011. I started to get into Audible, which like I probably read hundreds of books through that app. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. But um, I started to listen to different books while because I was like a dog walker and I had all this like time to like listen to books. So Mm -hmm. I, I started listening to different books and he, as he was seeing and witnessing this change within me, despite like whatever he was doing, I was, you know, staying in my center a lot more and being responsible for my own emotions and for like how I showed up in the relationship and not really putting much on him, just kind of like, all right, how can I be accountable for this? Mm-hmm. How can I show up? Because it's going to follow me to whatever relationship, like this will either work out or it won't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he, I don't know. He just, he started to listen to this one book. I think it was called, I think it was the book marriage rules. I can't remember the author. Mm-hmm. And he started crying at work. Um, he had this like experience and it like moved him. And, um, ever since that point, we both have just really been committed to engaging that work and doing the hard stuff and, and facing what isn't, um, easy to face because I don't know, it's just like you either are going to take that with you with someone else. And we, we had that connection. So it was like, we had something there that we both, I think wanted to preserve that was good Mm -hmm. in the beginning Mm -hmm. and before the discord kind of came in later. And so I don't know. I think that that just kind of unfolded slowly over time. And I'm really grateful to him. He like for him doing like the sadness with me and all this other stuff. Like it was definitely him choosing that, but, um, I think it's also from not pushing him. I think it was just from like leading by example. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's just so beautiful that you're able to like go through all of this with your partner, you know, your best friend and you both are having 
your own individual experiences, but also one really beautiful experience together. I think that's so great. Yeah, it's been really cool to watch him evolve and to watch myself evolve and watch us evolve as a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, yeah, I think that I'm I'm a huge believer now in what's possible, I guess, if you will, um, for what we can shift and grow out of. And um, I think that we do kind of tend to attract people where we're at, right? So Mm -hmm. like whatever wounds are, you know, still attracting this dynamic. I, I don't know. It's like, I kind of believe that we attract the person who is kind of perfect to help us heal those wounds. Oh, I so believe that too. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of shadow work um, have you done? Like what are some practices that you've done that you found to be really effective? Really, um, anytime there is an intense trigger, usually there's something lurking in like lurking in the shadow. Mm-hmm. So, um, usually I will just start with that trigger and I will follow that trigger back. Like what is the emotion that I'm feeling with that trigger? Mm. Um, sometimes I can label it with a word and sometimes it's just a very familiar feeling that mm-hmm. has like a bunch of words attached to it. So I just stay with that specific feeling and then I'm like, okay, what, like, where's that in my body? Where's that living? What's the, what's it feel like? Is it tension? Mm. Is it lightness? Is it like sweaty palms? Is it palpitations in my heart? Getting really clear about how my body is reacting to that because then you're kind of connecting yourself to your body intelligence and your body has stored, you know, everything that's ever happened to you. And it, and it knows how to guide you to that same neural network. Like within that same neural network, it can guide you to maybe a touchstone event. Mm-hmm. And then I follow that back to like, like, what's an older time that I remember feeling this? And maybe I'm like an adolescent or something. And then I kind of just like process that a little bit. I think about what the event was. I put it in the context, um, all doing this while I'm calm, you know, and yeah. grounded and safe. And I keep, if I ever feel like too overwhelmed, I just go back to my ground. And then I follow it back as far as I can remember. And mm-hmm. Perhaps there, you know, like some people believe that we have these things from past lifetimes and some people believe, you know, we have things from lineages up. I think anything is possible. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily have to find the root um, of it and you may not, but just following it back as far as you can and um, giving context to whatever that situation was, you know, and having if I, if I needed love, if I needed comfort, if I needed security, whatever I was needing, imagining kind of like parenting myself and giving that to myself and, um, allowing that new piece to kind of like show up and come out of the shadow a little bit and embrace it and be like, Oh, you were protecting me. Or like, Mm. that's why you, that's why you were developed at that time. And, And kind of then integrating that into yourself and thanking that part for, um, trying to protect you and saying, you know, I don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm going to be doing going forward. Um, if it was, if another person was involved, I might, uh, try to put myself in their shoes and really see them from a space of compassion, you know, mm-hmm. like what were they struggling with? You know, where's their heart at? Where's their soul at? Like really connecting to the higher self of that individual and trying to have compassion and release them from the burden of whatever imperfect thing that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that note, for and, anyone who's listening, I so encourage you to go to Cassandra's Instagram. You posted the most beautiful Instagram um, live video. I think it was about the sacral chakra, right? 
I think that's what it was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It was so beautiful. I was just like, I thought my neck was going to break from nodding so hard. I was like, yes, all of this <laughs> kind of falls in line with what you were saying. Um, so anyone who's listening to this, I highly encourage you to hop over there and watch that because it's so great. Thank you. I'm glad you like that. It's yes. good to hear that. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm not sure. Like that one, that video was such a like last minute, like I did like one recording and I was like, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> this makes sense. You know, you never know if it's like, I know what it means in my mind. Yeah. No. And I really think <laughs> that like you resonate so well on video too. And you do those because you can just really, it's like the passion that you have for this work is just overflowing and you can just feel that when you're speaking of it. So I'm, I happen to be so interested and invested in everything that you talk about because I'm doing the same work. But even as someone who like might not be that interested, I just feel like it's captivating. And that person would be like, huh, like I'm interested. I want to hear more because you're, yeah, your passion just overflows for sure. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So through the transition transitions that you've been going through, you know, especially with like getting deeper into meditation, into your yoga practices and everything, have you had any pushback from people in your life, maybe friends who knew you before and are now wondering like I guess I I guess I can ask this through a personal example of just saying, you know, I've received some mockery if you will I guess or people who knew me years ago being like what is she doing like she's so woo now like she likes crystals like what is she doing when really I'm just going through my own authentic experience right this is where my intuition is leading me and I'm essentially coming home to myself have you had to deal with any of that like any um pushback from friends or having to like explain yourself Yes. And, um, not from everyone. Uh, I definitely have like people who, who are very supportive and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of just like, do you, I'm proud of you, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's beautiful that you're unfolding. And then also, of course, yeah, just like people who are like, huh? (laughs) Or like, you're so far off the left. No, I don't know. Like, you know, all the woo. Yeah. So I definitely had experienced that. Um, like, I don't know. I think for me, I just kind of, I have this like really deep trust that I, and I, it's weird. I've maybe always had this as like a kid too. It's like, it's, it's this feeling of like, um, we shall see, you know, just like give it a Mm. few, give it a few more decades and like it will all unfold and it will make sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm okay with like, you know, people having different perspectives of that. Right. Cause we're all in our own journeys and we're all in our own spaces. And, um, there were times where like, you know, that would have been out in left field for me probably too. So it's like just having space for all of us, like where we are in our own individual journeys and spaces. And I try to, when I talk to like people, uh, one-to-one or like in my life, I try to both talk about my beliefs, but also, like in an authentic way, but also leave room for the fact that I don't know everything and that they're just Mm, beliefs. Right. So it's like, I think that's also just an important piece to it is that talking about it from a space of, um, not knowing. Yeah, absolutely. Like we're all just living in curiosity, right. And just going with the flow for what feels good to us. Totally. And it's always an evolution. And, and like, I know that my beliefs 
10 years ago were much different mm. than they are now. So I, I, I can probably guess in another 10 years, they'll mm-hmm. have shifted around or, you know, gone deeper or yeah. whatever. Always evolving. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> kind of on the same point. So I, I'm, I go in and out of this and it's a little frustrating for me, but I recently saw that you are sober curious, which super proud of you. I think that's so amazing. And I really want to talk about this a little bit more because I think it's a new concept where people are like sober curious. What? And like, oh, you're sober. So you must be an addict or whatever stigma that you want to put on that. Can you talk about that journey a little bit and what that's been like for you along with like maybe any social difficulties that you've encountered, um, with that, with this experience? Sure. And that's my dog. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Apologies. No, that's okay. I was wondering if she was going to show up. <laughs> I don't know if you heard her barking, but, um, yeah, that's, it's been a journey and it's, you know, I, in college, I went to like a party school. So there was mm. a lot, there was a lot of like partying at that time in my life. So it's, definitely like if we want to talk about like shifting identities and Mm -hmm. shedding identities it's been an interesting ride like when I came out to California just in general a lot less of that and then over the years it just kind of dwindled to not being very much um but there are times and spaces where you know it is present or that's like the norm or whatever. It's, it's, I don't know. It's been a really interesting unfolding, but I don't, for me personally, I don't, I like the whole sober curious thing because to me, what that means is like, I'm listening to my intuition. Um, I'm letting that lead. I'm not going to make a, I'm not necessarily saying yes or no, Mm -hmm. um, to any and all. Um, but I know that when I do, have a drink, even just, uh, so my sister was here, um, this past week and I had a drink with her. And the next day when I was doing my Kundalini, I could just, I just felt how much that affected mm-hmm. my energetic body. And mm-hmm. so I'm like much more sensitive to it. And I think at this point in life, it's just become a, it doesn't feed me. I don't really get much from it anymore. Like I, I used to like pair it with having fun and being free and letting loose. And, um, like, you know, I think for everyone, it's like, what is it serving for you? And what, you know, what is, what's the reason for doing it can kind of lead you to thinking about more, like, is it benefiting my life? And like it, I, I, everything I think serves a purpose or it has a time and a space and, um, everything's an unfolding, but like, it just stopped serving. It wasn't fun. It wasn't, it wasn't really giving me what it was taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I the had, that I like connected to that. It was like, Hmm, I don't know that this is really fulfilling to me anymore. Totally. Yeah. I did a cord cutting ceremony with my friend, Nicole, um, who's a shaman. And after that happened, I just kind of the same thing. Like I just didn't want it. And when I thought about it, there was no intrigue. And that lasted for probably like two and a half weeks. And it was a really beautiful time because kind of like you said, it was like my energy was just so different and my insides felt different. I could show up energetically for myself in such a pure way. Like there was no blockages, you know, because I just didn't have any of that in my body. And then, you know, old patterns come up, you know, friends come into town or, you know, my mom wants to meet for a glass of wine or something societal things start to 
flow in and you do things because that's what you're supposed to do. And I think for me, I keep weaving in and out of that where I'll have like a week and a half where I don't have anything. And then like, especially with dating, you know, someone asks you on a date and they want to grab a drink. You're like, I don't know what to say. You know, it's just like this whole mind game of like, oh, I so badly want to show up for myself and say my intuition doesn't, that's not feeding me right now. But like, instead you just surrender and say, okay, one drink isn't going to kill me. Right. Um, so that's been something that's been piquing my interest is really just, I don't know, allowing my, my intuition to do the talking for me and not trying to make these excuses of like, yeah, but I should, or just one or whatever. And it's so hard too the whole piece of like the, the social expectation or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like an interesting thing, but I think you get better at it. It's like Mm -hmm. any skill you just, you get better at that, not being weird. Mm -hmm. And I had to like integrate it more and more for myself. Like I went out with a friend, um, and I just had like water while we went, we even went, like, it was like a dancing thing. It wasn't, um, like at a club, but it was like an event where they had drinks and a live band and. I like at first was a little nervous. Like, is she going to be like, Oh, why aren't you? And like, no, I don't know if I want to, but Mm -hmm. it was, but I was like, I don't know. I just like, I said it in my mind beforehand that I was like, this isn't going to be weird. It's going to be totally normal. And I'm going to have a great time. And I think too, almost like setting that in my mind ahead of time, get, got me like set on that. This is going to be cool and normal. And then I went, um, the most, a uh, recent one was going for my friend's 30th or it was for Tessa's 30th birthday. Yes, I saw um, this. In Miami. Yeah. And that was that was probably the most uh, breakthrough of all of that because up until that point, it was like, oh, occasion I might, you know, because mm-hmm. I had like I had a drink around the holidays and then like also like um, Halloween and stuff. So but I but between those, you know, wasn't consuming any. So it was like very, I could very, I could, it was just so evident, like how it affected my body. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really think that like the Reiki and the attunements, as soon as I started to do that work, um, my desire to be a clear channel was like, was outweighing the desire to drink. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I would say that was a big shift in that too, for me, it's like a, and that was a more quiet unfolding and that's kind of, you know, that is how Reiki is. It's like a quieter, more subtle unfolding. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, I remember going into that, I went into that weekend or that week, um, for her 30th birthday. And there, there was a lot of fear coming up in the very, very, very beginning of that because, I was like, am I going to be a bum? Like, am I not going to be fun? You know, like, am I going to feel kind of grumpy because other people are like having fun and drinking and I'm not. And I had all those like fears coming up, but I was really uh, mindful about not feeding that loop, mm. uh, like looking at it, acknowledging that it was there, but not, but not feeding it and letting it continue to loop. And it was wild how much it just wanted to keep jumping up and tapping me. Mm. Um, so I shifted that and I took a shower and I, and I like just kind of centered in my own. I did some Reiki and I was like, well, what do I want? It's like, well, I want to go have fun. I want to be silly. I want to be, um, part of the group. I, I want to have a great time and I want to do that without alcohol because when I, the last few times when I was drinking, it just kind of would throw me out of my normal orbit for a while. And it, and like, I have all these things coming up 
this month that I wanted to be present for. So I was like, okay, I can't really get thrown out of orbit. So how can I, um, really honor my intuition? And she was like, no drinking this for this, like for this Mm. trip. And I was like, oh man, not even one night, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) not even one drink. Um, and she, so I was like, okay, this feels like a significant thing. If I can hold the pose and I can honor my intuition and what she's telling me for, you know, something that's really difficult, Mm -hmm. um, where in the past I may have like half listened to my intuition, um, and maybe felt, you know, disappointment or guilt afterward. Um, I honoring it by the time that was over, I felt so much energy and just like proud of myself and excited and just like more compassion and love and around like the entire group too. It was really cool. And while we were out like dancing, I was like drawing Reiki symbols for our group to like keep us safe. And oh my gosh, so just, I like, love it. <laughs> just like a fun way to just when I'm like, when you embrace it and when you, you're like, how can I play with this? How mm-hmm. can I, you know, and it's a journey. So it's like, you just start where you are and like, um, you count your little wins and you just try to listen more and more to what your intuition wants rather than getting too much in the mind and, oh, I'm guilting yourself. I should, I should, you know, mm-hmm. just like, I think it's always more powerful whenever I just let my intuition lead rather than, uh, set up traps for myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. So beautiful. And also like the people that aren't going to support, you know, where you are at in that moment, just that's theirs you know, and that's not like something totally. for you to carry. Yeah. That's so beautifully put. And, and, you know, things may shift in those mm-hmm. relationships, but what I yeah. like to think is like, we're always in transition and in, in transition with ourselves and with relationships. And so like those things may shift, but they also might come back around. And I yeah. have experienced that too, like things shift, but then they come back around. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to kind of just like, hold your center through all of that and not feel like, Oh, this friendship isn't real or this isn't this, like not having too much of a reaction around how those things Mm -hmm. shift when you're honoring yourself and just seeing how they might just come back in, in a different way. It's Mm -hmm. really been like a beautiful process in that way. I'm like, Oh, I'm glad that I didn't, you know, act on that or, or say anything about that. I just Mm -hmm. let, I just held space and it naturally worked itself out. Well, and it's it's the same with like what we were talking about with you and your husband, you know, where essentially you were just doing your work and leading by example, you know, and he just so happened to be intrigued and in line with that, you know, and others yeah. might do the same when they see you being sober curious. They're like, oh, okay. Like I might not understand this, but I'm intrigued, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, totally. That's like all of life, right? Is like, do your work, love mm-hmm. your, like uh, Byron Kitty says, my job is to love myself and to love the other. And mm-hmm. my job isn't to like make the other love me or, or worry about what they think of me. It's just mm-hmm. simply to love myself and love the other. And that, that she's like, that is a, like a full job in of itself. Oh, I love that. So, so I much. love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a good nugget. Um, speaking of Reiki, so this is by far my favorite form of body work. And it's actually the thing that propelled my own curiosity into spirituality and my own inner work. I had like a random Reiki session done. I'd never really heard of it. I walked into this bookstore and this woman was like, she came up to me and she was like, are you okay? And I I wasn't, but I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And she was like, okay. And then she came back to me and she's like, are you sure you're okay? And I just started crying and I was like, no, not really. Like, I'm just, I'm going through some things. And she was like, do you want, do you want to do a Reiki session really quick? I have 15 minutes, you know, we can just do a little, 
a little boost. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And so she kind of explained it to me and brought me back into the room. And again, it was only 15 minutes, but I, oh my gosh, the difference in my body and in my energy was so profound. I even got, so I I get this now when I have Reiki and I'm all balanced, but I get like a permanent smile where like, I can't help it. It's just, I'm the muscles in my face. I'm like, I probably look scary to the outside world because I just (laughs) look like I'm beaming. Like someone just told me a joke, but I just always feel so like euphoric and just, uh, it's the best feeling in the world. So I, I would love for you to explain Reiki, maybe in like its basic terms, because a lot of people are unfamiliar as I was. Um, and it's a question that I get often, but you know, you have studied it and you're doing the work. So I would love to hear it from, from your point of view, what Reiki really is and how it works. Maybe breaking down the chakras as well. Sure. So I, I would say the easiest way to kind of think of Reiki is just pure positive healing energy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way to really like, um, do harm while doing Reiki, mm-hmm. uh, it, at the most, like the channel is just less open. So maybe it's, you know, the, the experience is more subtle. Um, but it, what I love about it is it's always working to our highest good. And, um, it's different in that way from therapy in that when we're in therapy, we're kind of, we're trying to go at something from our mind. Right. And we're trying to, from that limited perspective, figure out where this person needs to go Mm -hmm. next or what needs to be healed. Um, or even within like some shamanic work where they like, you know, might take out, um, different things from people, um, spirits and, or, um, karmic cycles or whatever, which could, that person may have needed. So it's kind of like Reiki is like, we're, we're, when we're connecting to that, we're connecting to something much bigger than us that has an intelligence that we don't necessarily have. It's, it's the entire picture. So it can work with the body and the being in a way that is to their highest good without taking away something they maybe needed. Um, maybe they needed that part or that cycle still, or they needed to learn how to work through that or work at it. Mm-hmm. Reiki would then be the support to help that unfold. And it's not an, it's not an invasive thing. So it's a very like, um, subtle, um, energetic working with those blocks. I'm kind of untangling that energy. I almost see it like it's going mm-hmm. in and it's like, if we have different areas where we hold different emotions or whatever, it's almost like, it's like giving it's, it's like beaming a little bit of that light into that area so that it can, um, unfold or open or move or get some movement back in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautifully put kind of like unkinking the knots, you know, when things yeah. get stuck. Yeah. And so do you practice it on yourself? Do you do like body scans or how, what does that look like for you when you are giving yourself Reiki? Yeah, I do. I do it on myself all the time, especially like I, I want to um, do a course for empaths with Reiki because mm. if you are somebody who is sensitive to the energies around you um, and you're just more open that way, it um, it's a really it's been a really powerful practice for me in that way because it really helps me to contain my energy mm-hmm. so that um, I'm I'm not necessarily like letting other energy coming into my energetic field and and, and mucking up the water, but also, um, kind of allowing that, that healing energy then to come in through and 
support me in whatever I'm needing. Um, Sign me up for that. I'm definitely an empath yeah. who struggles with that in such a major way. Yeah. And so just having that grounded, being aware of what and it's pra- the practice of it, you know, yourself mm-hmm. when, oh, I really feel passionate about teaching people how to do self-reiki because one, it's so simple to learn, you know, and mm-hmm. it's so powerful to be able to have that resource if you're ever feeling ungrounded or not centered, just to be able to come back to yourself and um, do that Reiki with yourself. And there's, there's different hand movements and, and, and protocols that you can do, but really truly like I move with my intuition, which is kind of how the way that I was taught from my teacher was, you know, yes, there are these hand movements that we can do, but they actually weren't the original. They didn't come with the original, um, Usui who brought it over from Japan. It wasn't originally through him. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have hand movements that was added later. But um, I think that was kind of maybe for the Western mind, right? To like be like, okay, we're doing this protocol. Right. We move from the yeah. top to the bottom. Yes. But like I, most of the time when I'm doing it on myself, I just have one hand over my gut and one over my heart. And that's often how I'm doing that. And I will do a body scan just to kind of feel through mm-hmm. where I am. I like to ground myself first. So I kind of extend the root from my um well, from my root (laughs) and uh, down into the ground, but I also ground into my center. Um, There's a belief in both Kundalini Yoga and I've learned from Reiki that, you know, in in the center of our navel is also the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. So we can ground into ourselves. And Mm -hmm. that is actually even more like that is the only ground that doesn't move, if you will, Mm -hmm. because the earth is even not permanent. Um, So when we can ground into that center, we, we can break so many of our patterns and reactivities and need to do this or do that. If we just, when we're triggered or when we are anxious or whatever, if we can just ground back into that center, it's almost like just doing that will clear that energy. It's like wild. My mind is like, I have to think about this. I have to solve Mm -hmm. this. And then I ground back into the center and I'm like, Oh, actually, no, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. It's cool the way it is. Totally. You're so right. I recall my friend, the, um, my friend who I spoke about previously, my shaman friend, Nicole, who I was having somewhat of a panic attack after, um, a breakup and she was on the phone with me and was walking me through. She's like, all I want you to do, the only thing I want you to do is envision light coming in through your navel like pour Uh, light into your navel it was so simple yet so effective just that one thing it was just like yeah like you said just bringing me back to center it was incredible yeah and I think it's it's like you said it's simple so it seems like oh like the mind is like no it must be harder like Uh (laughs) the mind's like but yeah but if you yeah if you can just just use that and utilize that. And, um, the more we practice those things when we're not in a triggered space, the easier it is to access when we are. Yes. Um, and so I'm just a huge advocate for practicing that finding that you're centered because, um, when we are, when our energy is leaky, it's just, we're exhausted Mm -hmm. and we're kind of all over the place and it's, it feels very scary and disorienting. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just having that tool and that resource to be able to come back to the center has been so, so useful and like everything that I'm doing to break those patterns because we do break them in the moment that we choose something different. And so that like just noticing like, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Let me come to my center rather than going down the same path of reaction. Right. 
Yeah, it's yeah. powerful. So resonance, I'm so proud of you and so excited for you on this journey. But can you tell the listeners a bit about this beautiful business and community that you've built? Yeah, so that kind of came out of, I would say, Reiki, but also all of the energetic work that I was doing in this. And just like after I had, I had been diving into kind of like holistic healing and I saw all these like miraculous, I just, when you start to look for it, you start to hear all of these like crazy, beautiful stories of healing that, mm-hmm. you know, conventionally we don't think are possible. And I started to realize that like, as we get into alignment, like we've been talking about with our soul or our intuition or our highest self, you know, that deep knowing part of us, that things that are out of alignment with that naturally start to just like vibrate out of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I look at the whole drinking thing. It's like, I don't need to necessarily put a ton of weight and energy into worrying about that. I just need to keep aligning. And as I align over the years, like that will just naturally evolve and vibrate out of my existence. Mm. And that's kind of what resonance is to me. It's, it's, it's teaching and providing spaces and resources for people to find that alignment and that resonance within their own being so that the things that we are trying to get, trying to shift or trying to change in our life um, can naturally just kind of leave out of our existence. Like we don't necessarily have to try so hard to, to get this outcome or get that outcome, because if we just focus on that alignment and that resonance with our being, that will kind of bring us everything that we desire. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so great. I think when I was doing, you know, EMDR is really effective and wonderful, but as I was doing kind of therapy, it's like, I kept coming to this thing. It's like, practice is so much more than just talking about it and, mm-hmm. and talk therapy is so beautiful and wonderful and I don't want to discount it. And it's amazing. And, and, and couples therapy and family therapy, it's all so incredible. And I am so grateful for like what I learned through all of that. So I don't want to discount that, but I also want to say that like personal practice and time tuning into yourself is where the magic is. And sometimes we use talk therapy to get to that space to be mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. I have enough knowledge and about what's happening and what's going on and how I can heal to be able to do the practice, but it truly is within our own practice. So that's why I created resonance because I want to just keep expanding spaces for people to really truly tap into and experience their potential because the experience of something is so powerful and you don't forget it. It's, it's something that you're like, Whoa, like that's my potential. And, mm-hmm. and when I, I remember the first time I let go of a really old wound that I didn't know was possible to shift, um, by connecting through my intuition, I, it just was like, what, like our potential is incredible. And I think I just want to offer people that like shift and, and that ability to transform so that they can see how powerful, we are, are truly when we are kind of out of our cognitive mind and down into like our intuition and our body intelligence where these things are stored and where we can really actually do some do some real shifts. Absolutely. So you do you do one on one sessions, um, both in person and remotely? I know you do some you've been you've been doing some workshops in Sacramento as yes. well. And then so what else do you offer? Can people work with you who don't live in Sacramento? Yeah. So I opened up, um, both the remote sessions for people who don't live in that in Sacramento. And that, that is just like the Reiki solely, mm-hmm. um, energy work within that. And then I also have, um, 
individual session work that I open and um, that's kind of working with specific blocks, right? Kind of learning how to go through that process. So it's kind of just like offering a light along the way for mm-hmm. people to go through that process so that they can kind of learn how that works. Because what I, what I noticed when I was doing um, therapy and, and doing EMDR with people, they would just naturally start to do the, the process of EMDR when we weren't even doing it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of just like, it's almost like a muscle memory. And then once you're being kind of starts to integrate how we go and remove those deeper layers, um, we can be, that's when we can kind of start to be our own healer. So I see that what I do is just like a, here's a little bit of a guidance from what I've learned in all the years that I've been studying this so that you don't have to go and mm. study all of this and, and do all of these things so that yeah. you can kind of have some guidance back to yourself and your power, um, to release those things. And, um, I'm also working on some online courses because I'd love to do some, Oh, great. Like, uh, well, both teaching that model with a group because I think it's really powerful to go through things in community with other people because you get to see what their experience is. They can sometimes expand, be expanders for you or um, help you through something or you can bond with people or you can see that you're not alone or just even the collective energy of people transforming together is really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, and powerful. Oh, that's so, amazing. yeah, I'm unfolding those and then also... Um, I want to do another, I want to do a 40 day challenge again. We, I did one with, um, the har meditation. It's mm-hmm. a Kundalini meditation for prosperity. That was really fun. I want to do one that's a little bit more involved and in depth with, um, a Kriya that I'm, I've been practicing since like January Has Kriya because it's like wild and transforming. It's doing wonders in the subconscious mind. Oh, um, cool. I really feel mu- much more balanced. It's just like, a, so I want to do that one as well with the community of people because it's just, it's fun to move through things with people. Absolutely. To have a community. You've said the word Kriya a few times. Can you explain what that is to people who might be unfamiliar? Yes. Um, so in Kundalini, they have different, um, well, they're called Kriyas, but they <laughs> essentially what a Kriya is, is it's a set of movements. Sometimes maybe you have like a hand position mm-hmm. or um, a, a certain like which they call mudras are the hand positions, like where you touch maybe your pointer finger to your thumb. That's called Gyan Mudra. And you are also doing like a repetitive movement with that Kriya. So like, have you, I'm, I'm sure many people are, might be familiar with like cat cow, mm-hmm. like that would be a Kriya okay. that's maybe more familiar, but the different Kriyas within Kundalini are essentially just like a set of different hand movements or uh, mantras or mm-hmm. just body movements that are repeating. Mm-hmm. Do you practice yoga mainly at home or do you go to a studio and take classes or both? Both, but I mostly do um, Rama TV, which is with Guru Jagat, and she is based out of LA. So they have it's oh, kind cool. of like a, it's kind of like a Netflix for Kundalini. Oh, awesome! Um, I'll put that in the show notes she, for people. Yeah, it's a, it's incredible, and she I, and there's some really amazing teachers that are a part of that. Um, she's an incredible teacher. She does kind of like a lesson as well as um, the entire you know hour and and a half of kundalini yoga and you can do it live at like 10 a.m uh let's see it's it's specific time because it's in mm-hmm. la mm-hmm. but um and or just play the one from the night before like if you want to do an early like morning mm-hmm. yoga you can just do one of the other ones so there's always 
videos um, up, being uploaded, new content being uploaded daily. And um, that's kind of the main thing that I've been doing. And I really, really love it because it's flexible, but then I'm still kind of like with the group, you know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. I believe w- along with my training in Reiki that like that energy um, spans time and space. So it doesn't matter if you're watching a replay, you're still getting that group energy when you're with them. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I want to move into some rapid fire questions, but of course you can feel free to expand. Don't feel like you have to like rush through them or give me one word answers, but um, are you ready for that? Sure. Okay, Let's cool. Do it. Okay. What is your mantra? Ooh. Trust in the unfolding. Mm, that's good. So I think I kind of go back to that anytime I'm feeling unsure or fear. It's just like, this is just a part of it. Trust in the unfolding and Mm -hmm. it always unfolds and it always, you know, the light comes again, you know? So it's just kind of like trust in the unfolding, even when it seems dark or scary or unsure. Mm -hmm. What is your morning ritual? Kundalini yoga mostly. So like getting up, um, brushing teeth, washing face, maybe getting some hot water, um, like a, to drink. And usually I try to dive into that because if I do it first thing in the morning, it really sets the tone for my day. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I do it in the afternoon if I don't, if I have a busy morning or something, but mm-hmm. in general, that's kind of what I've been trying to do. Cause I feel much lighter when I do that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that. Yeah. And then maybe drinking some celery juice or cucumber juice, but yeah. it varies. Yeah. Do you drink coffee or no? I do drink coffee. Um, I've been drinking it daily, but I do go in and out of drinking it. So like, mm-hmm. um, sometimes I will drink tea and I try to like, and I've been in a space of drinking it daily right now. So I try to get breaks from it, yeah. you know, just like, just because I like not being completely like, I need my coffee, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I will, I will take like breaks here and there from it, mm-hmm. but I do drink it. And, um, when I'm not drinking it, sometimes, I don't know if I'm ever, if I'm feeling anxious or whatever, I just cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of the, the rule of thumb there is that we all know it doesn't help with anxiety or any sort of like, yeah, underlying stressors. So it's usually the time to just give your body a break. So what about your evening ritual then? Do you have some sort of routine or flow that you go through at night? I definitely would say I'm a, I'm a very like flow person. So I never have like set in stone, but I love like evening baths. I love, um, reading and journaling, maybe pulling, like I like to pull cards. Well, I pull them in the morning, but I like Mm -hmm. to pull them at night too. Me too. Um, yeah, just to kind of maybe journal about whatever was, you know, brought up or the inquiry on the card or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Mm Um, might do some song meditation or just meditation in general. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just kind of wind down things. Sometimes I'll watch a movie with my husband. Um, but, but yeah, I noticed that as I've kind of been practicing more, I tend to, I, I don't know, I like, I enjoy the quiet stillness before bed, which was not a normal thing for me, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, five years ago. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's like, it feels nice to kind of, it's almost like I'm preparing for the next day in a way, like kind of like, winding down that day and then kind of thinking about like what's next 
what's to come the next day, which I think helps kind of wind me down actually, because Mm -hmm. then I'm excited to go to sleep to get up, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite food? Mm, Favorite food? Let me think. I like love me some tacos. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Me too. um, I was always a fan as a kid, and we make some really good ones. Um, Yes, we ate a lot of, we've been eating a lot of, or well, we did during the winter, a lot of spaghetti squash with like, Mm -hmm. um, like a tomato sauce that I was making and it was so yummy. I just love like all the herbs you can put in tomato sauce. And, um, I, I love spaghetti squash. I like, didn't like it at first, but now it's like one of my favorites. It's so good. Are you plant-based or do you pretty much eat whatever your intuition I've done like different, uh, cleanses and things. So I kind of, I've, I've gained a lot through that in terms of what works for my body and Mm -hmm. what doesn't like my body does well with like white rice and potatoes, not so well with like beans and legumes. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I tend to kind of eat based on that, but I also eat like, for instance, my sister was in town, we were going out to eat a lot and, um, I let it flex. I like, I'm not super rigid about it, but I, I do enjoy like going into a space where I am cleansing a little bit more, being more mindful about it. But I just, in general, I feel better when I'm eating mostly vegetables. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely still eat like red meat. My body tends to feel, um, energized when I am, but Mm -hmm. I try to source it in because the quality of that obviously plays into, um, what that is in your body and how, Mm -hmm. how that like serves you or doesn't serve you. And so, and just also too, because of animals and how awful the CAFO system is. But, um, so yeah, trying to source things and I always try to source things in a way that is mindful, Mm -hmm. but I do still consume meat. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite drink? I, right now I really love, um, the, it's like a, cacao reishi mushroom it's from uh four sigmatic oh my god i'm drinking that right now <laughs> are you i yeah. love it yeah so yeah so i like good. that um i put like a little maple syrup or honey in it Ooh. too and it's like really yummy <laughs> or maybe a little that. tiny bit of oat milk or something but yeah, yeah i have I it with oat milk one. but i'm gonna try the honey that sounds good um what is the best advice you've ever received oh um to leave my stories. Um, I had a, mm-hmm. I had a mentor and I was, when I was really struggling with like how I was going to leave my career and all these other things that my, in my mind was spending a million miles an hour telling him all these stories and all these like things that I constructed with my mind. And he was just like spacious and paused me. And he was like, we can talk about your story He's like, he's like, we can talk about your story sometime. Um, but I, but like he wanted to, instead of buying into the thoughts and just like spinning them, he mm. wanted me to challenge them. So I don't know if that's necessarily advice, but it was like this mm. pause of stop spinning the story and start questioning it. Yeah. I think anything that makes you reflect. More oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I interrupted you. Oh, no worries. I was just saying, he was just kind of saying like, see if there's more available to you when you start to question that Mm -hmm. story that your mind is spinning rather than buying into it. And then, um, I don't know, it just opens you up to like, what do you want to create? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful advice. I think anything that, that allows you to reflect, 
right? When someone speaks or someone like introduces a new idea can be considered advice. So I think that's perfect. Is there a book that you're currently reading or what is the last one that you read? I always have my um, self in like several books, but Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading two different books uh, from Yogi Abhijan that are kind of interesting. One is Success in this and the spirit and the other one is just like the teachings of Yogi Bhajan, which I am, I'm just like really, I don't know. He was a, he was an interesting and awesome human. So I'm just enjoying Mm. his wisdom. Define love in your own words. Giving uh, people space and trusting their path and their evolution, like, Mm, uh, like giving them loving spaciousness to be where they Mm. are and, um, to like 100% trust their path and their unfolding, even if, from our limited perspective, it might seem um, like destructive or scary or off the path, just trusting that they're, they're whole, you know, mm. and like they can make it through that. Yeah. So beautiful. Do you have a favorite word? Mm. Say some more. What do you mean? Like just like a favorite? Just like a word that holds really like a lot of immense value to you. Um I think that would probably be truth again, maybe. Mm, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I would say mine is pause. Like that's the word that comes Ooh. up that brings a lot of like comfort to my insides. It's just like pause, yeah. take pause, you know. What does mindfulness mean to you? Um, being present and open and awake and aware of yourself in space Mm. and of others and what's around you, Mm. like the energy that's around you. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, where can people find you? I would say the best place is Instagram and you can like connect to my website through that as well, through my account at uh, Resonance Sacramento is probably that or Cassandra D. And then, yeah, we have, I also have a podcast with um, one of my best friends, Tess, who lives in Chicago where you live, mm-hmm. and that's called Soul Alignment, and that is another great place if you want to reach out or listen to our podcast or mm-hmm. anything like that. Awesome. This has been amazing. I'm so, so glad that you took the time to show up in this space. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. It was amazing. It was. I really appreciate you reaching out. And I love all the little synchronicities that you share, like uh, your name being Cassandra also, and then your mom's name being Danielle. I was like, that's so wild. Your middle name, I know. Time. I was like, what's yeah. happening? All right. Well, thank you so much again for showing up, and I look forward to connecting down the road. Thank you so much for having me on. I look forward to it as well. <laughs>